we are live. End product. Uh, where are we at? Episode 34, I believe, Quinny. And uh, we're live. We're live on Twitch. We've got a special guest with us this week. Nanzo, welcome to the cast, sir. Great to have you. How's your Christmas been? It's been really good. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, first of all, let me say it's a, it's a privilege and an honour to be invited onto this one. This is one of my favourite um, podcasts. Just the vibe Thank that you. you have with Tony. Um, yeah. So chemistry that you've got and i hope that i can at least do it a little bit of justice <laughs> um and coming on but yeah my christmas has been really good uh the kids have been have been kids and loving it um it's just yeah it's just a, a typical christmas i think this time we actually stayed at home we normally traveling around to see people this time we invited everyone to come come to us so it's been nice i've been able to stay at home relax and uh yeah it's been a good one what about yourselves Oh, first of all, Lanzo, again, thanks for coming on. Um, great to hear you, a fan of the podcast. Thanks very much. I do appreciate that. And um, but we've been trying to get you on for about a week or so. We tried to get you on kind of just uh, last week, but we couldn't quite get things lined up. And I, I was saying, I had a great Christmas, by the way, but you've, you've kind of ruined it. Kids are crying at home, Lanzo. I was on the podium. And then you had to just go in there uh, and, and smash us <laughs> off there. I was, I was hoping we wouldn't talk about that. <laughs> Kids are crying. So. Christmas is ruined. <laughs> Nanzo, aka the Grinch visit. Uh, you know, if, if you're looking at if you're looking at SO5 and you're looking to be happy and and have me on your podcast, uh, there's no week. There's no week. That's a good week. <laughs> I would have disappointed somebody at some point. Yeah, that's it. So Nanzo, you, you must have had a fair few uh, rewards, aka Christmas presents, to open over the festive period. Nanzo, did you get anything particularly good worth shouting about? Anything that you're really excited about? I got some good cards. However, a lot of them were duplicates. So I got, um, I think I got um, Hakimi over the World Cup. Oh wow! Super yeah. rare, Hakimi super Thanks. rare. After the one I bought from you, <laughs> Quinny. Yeah. Yes. So I, I, I did I see it was listed, and I was very tempted, but we both my range still. And uh, I got a Pierre Kalulu as well, and I've actually yeah. he's super rare, and I've actually got one of his super rares, Andy's unit. So um, yeah, I got I got a fair few decent cards, a Gerard Delafelu rare. Um, yeah, because I wasn't. I was saying. I was saying to you beforehand, Quinny, that I wasn't expecting to to do too much over the um, World Cup, and I was pleasantly surprised at the amount of cards that I actually I actually ended up winning. Um, so yeah, I can't can't complain at all. And I was actually on holiday most of that period, so it was nice to kind of not be in kind of full kind of SO five mode, but yet still be able to to bag some wins. I think towards the end of the World Cup. People like yourself, you've got a lot of those kind of like top quality super rares that you can flex into like a an all-star pro lineup or something like that. Once you get to the latter stages and there's only three or four fixtures plus a few like bits and bobs in the Chinese Super League to worry about, you must have felt quietly confident going into some of those game weeks knowing that you've got a couple of the big hitters in the French team or, or yeah. you know, like a Hakimi or someone like that that you can use and obviously knowing how well Morocco played in the World Cup so you must have been moving into those weeks feeling quietly confident. There was actually some nice cards in those uh, pools as well, because I guess yeah. they were trying to focus on rewarding people with cards playing in the World Cup as well. Because yeah, hundred um, yeah. percent, and them setting up that international division, kind of especially like in the unique division. Um, I think there was only really a couple of us really competing for that that had enough that had like four or five cards that were playable, and yeah. so you know it was almost kind of like guaranteed to get a podium. And so that was that kind of worked 
quite nicely in the end. And you kind of get that in Serbia, don't you? You kind of get those midweeks where, like you would know for the last one, Quinny, where, you know, you, you're the only one with a stack of like Celtic cards or a stack of Zenit cards or a stack of, I don't know, uh, Monero cards. Yeah. You're likely to podium um, at worst. Um, and it, and that, it kind of benefits the people with, with big galleries in that sense, those slow weeks. Yeah, completely. I'm starting to feel a wee bit of that the now over the festive period, thankfully. But when Celtic are playing midweeks against Real Madrid and whatever, it didn't really work out too yeah. well for me at the time. But I definitely, I've been there myself, you know. Um, and I think um, you know that the, the international competitions were overall really good. Like for people that did have those international cards, I think a lot of people were surprised by how how much fun they actually did have, even with like because under 23s get turned into underdog essentially you know so there's no goalkeeper there and i think a lot of people had a lot more fun engaging with their actual cards as well if they had any going to the tournament you know enzo fernandez of course was a hero and there's a few other guys that did really well um on that little kind of we kind of peace note there i was a bit upset at the time that international took the specialist because i bought some limited thinking for la liga 2 i'll just play specialist through the world cup maybe put my rare or something and then that wasn't even open. So it was just playing All-Star Unlimited, but Limited. So I was like, yay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was in the boat. Not, what you, not what you signed up for. But overall, were you happy with what Sorrow did over that period? Or? Yeah, I, I think the Global Cup, like you just say, they, you, you guys were saying there, like they put a lot of effort into the reward pools, you know, like, you know, in terms of the, the caliber of the, the, star, uh, the, the tiers available. And then I, I got a real sense of the ones that were, you know, and I, I think now, They've obviously had some sort of tweak or maybe the prize pools are just finally enough cards have been issued or whatever. Pricing, market, yada, yada. It feels the tiers, the payouts are becoming much more accurate and much more people are really satisfied with the with the wins they're getting. So that coupled with maybe a slightly, um, not to say a thinner field, you know, because I think there's still a lot of entrants, but definitely not as fierce a field, you know. I think it was, yeah, overall good for everyone, Global Cup or not. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I'd, I'd agree with all of those points. And there def- definitely the sentiment in the sort of community of players. And also some of the, like, I'm sure both of you probably like put a few friends onto the game over the World Cup, like getting them involved in the free to play and stuff. And I feel like the sentiment across the community and also with those new sort of players is pretty good at the moment. And there's definitely like Quinny and I were talking off air. There seems to be a bit of a buzz about like the so rare sort of staff. They're all pointing towards something big happening in January at the minute. And uh, there's a, yeah, I mean, they're getting us all a bit excited for it. So they've got to deliver now. Is it like, is it, dare I say, is it a when prem situation? Very much feels like it, doesn't it? It feels big, doesn't it? There's definitely something brewing. Definitely something. You already know with the new game modes coming in at the very beginning of Feb, but they, I, I just thought they were alluring to that, like, oh, let's hype that. But actually from hearing Dan pop into the Twitter spaces last week and bits and bobs on John Nellis's uh, podcast and that, it's not that. It's something else. And they're talking about new other game modes that they're going to introduce and other things. And it's like, right, something's going on. Yeah. Something's happening. I'm, but I have no idea. What, what What do you reckon, Nanzo? Have you got any, apart from the, the obvious, like the when prem, maybe yeah. it is the prem. Do you think it's the Prem or do you think we've got other things to look forward to? Yeah, I think it's the Prem. I think they're also bullish because if you look at kind of the NFT landscape generally, um, the crypto landscape, mm. it's one of the few projects that is striving in, in the bear market. Um, and I think that's obviously making them a bit a bit more bullish um, than, than 
than you would expect them to be at this time. But yeah, in terms of what they're going to pull out the hat, I have no idea. Um, and somehow, and, and that's why I kind of like having a big gallery. I like to be prepared for for whatever. You know, mm. I like to think that if you've got good cards, you've got a broad enough spectrum of cards, whatever's thrown at you next, um, you'd be able to cope with. One thing I'm hoping that they do at some stage is where they've got this kind of region level, if they go to the level below and have like league-specific competitions, because mm. um, I think if it grows, or it's going to grow, then that, that should happen, particularly yeah. if they do get the Premiership and they've got the Bundesliga, they've got La Liga. If you can have that league-level um, competition, I think that would also help for people that are just interested in their in their local local leagues to to get involved more. Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. And I think as the supply grows as well, you need to split a lot of the competition up, don't you? Because we're going to get to a point where there's 800 Tessinias being played in there in like the the All Star. We all know how good that guy is. So. <laughs> in fact, uh, we've got a couple of people in the live chat already. We've got K Sarah Sarah, which is hey. a great username, um, representing the Korean uh, fraternity. Um, and we've got, I know we've got a few people in the Asian uh, continent locked in live. So it's good to have you on board. If you are listening via the podcast, we're streaming live on uh, on my Twitch channel, uh, which is forward slash plastician. We try to do this um, quite a bit. So if you aren't following on Twitch, give me a follow on there. And if you are watching on Twitch, you can listen to the podcast available via all uh, good podcasting uh, platforms. End products so rare will get you where you need to be. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to get that out. Do do our bit, you know, the old YouTube uh, Twitch classic. Uh, shout out Yedgar as well out in uh, Canada. Nice and cold. Everyone's commenting on Quinny's attire today. If, you, if you're listening and not watching... Oh really? He's, he's got his layers on. He's got a scarf on. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Glasgow is knee deep in snow today. Um, Not far off knee deep, but uh, it's, uh, it's and again, like I just came in first thing this morning, and it's uh, I was a wee bit late coming in because of the snow and whatever. So I'm just waiting for the the place to heat up a wee bit, but. <laughs> Not yeah. quite there yet. So thanks if you're enjoying it. <laughs> or if you're making fun of me, then I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> I feel your pain. Um, I was away in Ghana for the first part of the World Cup and uh, I arrived back into the UK when they were like cancelling flights because of oh. snow and stuff. But my flight wasn't cancelled and I wished it was because it was so cold. <laughs> it was so cold and I coughed. How, was, um, how yeah. was the World Cup fever in Ghana? I know like... I know a few Ghanaians and they love their football. So what was it like being out there during the World Cup? Nah, it was big. I mean, like when the games were on, like you literally couldn't get anywhere. Like there were no drivers. Everybody was was watching the games. And I happened to watch uh, a game in some big complex. And there's quite a few of us. There's a big screen. Uh, the game against Korea, where they went 2-0 up, mm. came back to 2-2 and they won 3-2. Wow, uh, the rollercoaster of emotions that were going on in that room were just wild. Yeah, it was really, really good fun. That was definitely one of the best games of the World Cup, I think. Um, yeah. Produced one of the good goals as well. Um, so it was a great, it was a, it was a great game that one. But yeah, it, a difficult one, a difficult watch as yeah. a Ghana fan, no doubt. That <laughs> Up was, and down, like you say. <laughs> In the end, it got there, and it, and it was yeah. Really, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you go, you get into like your, your Ubers and stuff, and everybody's talking football during the World Cup, and nah, it's really, it's really nice out there. Nice. So do you uh, do you manage to travel quite a bit um, through your work and stuff like that? Do you get out, out and about um, quite a bit through 
you know, experiencing football in different countries and stuff like that? Or, or are you, or are you more of a watch it at home guy? I'm kind of more of a kind of a watch at home guy, but kind of obviously pre-COVID got out a bit. Over COVID, didn't really get out much. Um, but yes, post-COVID, trying to kind of get out about a bit more. Um, but yeah, I generally like to 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 watch at home, and particularly with this game, I try to stick more to the data and the facts, and not to try and be biased by my own perceived knowledge of football, because <laughs> <laughs> often that can be swayed by your own kind of own biases, whereas the numbers don't lie. Uh, generally, um, and I kind of follow formulas. Like I think you've said it before, Quinny. Things like uh, fixture form and uh, uh, fitness. fitness, yeah, uh, and and they've kind of <laughs> they they kind of tried and tested in football and and kind of things like the mo- momentum and and stuff like that are kind of tried and tested. And if you kind of can incorporate this into your your process of how you select your teams, it, it can work really well in terms of doing well in SO5. Yeah, so I try to get out and watch football and I try to watch it a lot on TV because like the eye test is also true. Oh yeah. But in terms of how I actually select my teams, I try to be as statistically um neutral as possible. Uh, yeah, There's a wealth of information out there now, isn't there? Like we've all got access to so many statistics for like leagues that aren't even particularly covered well by Opta these days. Um and I I think like now more than ever because of you know how useful sites like so red data are um it's hard to sort of pinpoint or like spot a talent before it's already like smacking you in the face on so red data in the yeah. tables and the rankings of players who aren't who don't have a card yet and stuff like that do you have any kind of uh, processes or tips or anything that's worked particularly well for you outside of the the classic like you know like the data sets that we get from so red data and that kind yeah. of thing. Are there any kind of tips and tricks you got? Yeah, like say, as I was saying earlier, like even though it's true that you use the stats to select your teams, when it comes to trying to find those gems, there's no real substitute from actually watching the players themselves and kind of looking in between the lines. Like a lot of things I like to do is like often players won't get into a team because of an issue with a manager. Mm. And, you know, there's kind of like politics going on. So if you can watch a player, I remember I watched, uh, who was it? Was it Mike Trezor? Yeah, can't remember who he played for before he moved. Um, I remember I watched one game of him and I thought this guy is outstanding. Like mm. for the league, he's, he should be in Premiership or whatever. Really good player. But then he got dropped and literally wasn't played for like six months. And if in that period you recognise that someone's really good but isn't playing, you know, those are when you when you can pick up the because the, the whole game is so rare is picking up the players for the right price as opposed yeah. to picking up the players. Yep. So if you can find those windows where somebody's out of favour or is dropped or, you know, you've noticed somebody that nobody else has quite spotted their talent and you can pick them up cheap, that's when you kind of thrive in the game for picking up players. Um, but playing players, you generally want to go for players that are in form, um, regardless of how good they are. The players that are in form are the ones that get, will get you the results. Yeah. What time did, did you um, sign up to the platform? Do you remember like roughly when it was? It would have been just after the Gary V boom. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I think with So Rare, I think I came across So Rare when it was before it was on Ethereum. Right. I think it was a time when it was on some other some other platform years ago. And it was literally just like a collecting site. And I think they had some West Ham cards and I came across the it. Belgians. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think there were Belgium cards on there. I think I just remember a platform that had West Ham cards on it. 
and I thought, okay, so it's like a car collecting thing. So it looks interesting. It might go somewhere, it might not. And so whenever I saw So Rare come up, I only associated it with, okay, this very small niche kind of mm. car collecting site. And it wasn't until kind of the Gary V boom that I realized, oh, shit, there's more to it than that. Yeah. Once I got in, it was almost, oh, this is right down my lane. Um, because a lot of the stuff that I've done in crypto, um, I've tried to put an element of kind of gamification, particularly of football involved. Um, and so to see a platform that was doing it the way it should be done and and was getting it right and um, bringing those elements together of collectability, NFTs and, and daily fantasy sport, I think, you know, they, they've, they've really kind of nailed it in terms of what I'm into. Yeah. And so I'm very much a person that, you know, I kind of go big or go home kind of mentality and then once I decided to go for it you know I really kind of went for it and you know as you know I kind of play all divisions and I play hard and I play to win and, and that kind of stuff love that yeah quite a lot of the people that we have had through the show have come into it from more of a daily fantasy sports or even you know we've had football index as well quite a few people that were in there and saw so rare as like an opportunity to do something a bit differently but you coming into it from the crypto side is a little bit more similar to, it, to my kind of entry into it. And I was, you know, like coming from DeFi and using, you know, like yield farming and stuff like that and trying to like get your money up and, you know, trying to make use of your Ethereum most of the time. Yeah. And my friend come into this and he was trying to get me on it. And I was like, well, I'm not really sure. Then when I looked at it and the potential to yield from it and put in my Ethereum to work, that was the first thing that struck me. And like you said, like, and it's football. I, you know, I get, it gives me an excuse to watch more football. Yeah. And at first I didn't really know if it was going to be a profitable thing or not, because I've been experienced in NFTs before I joined so rare with things like crypto kitties back in 2017, yeah. trying to like mate and flip those things and having absolutely <laughs> no, no joy at all with that. Yeah. So um, my sort of pe previous experience coming into so rare is like an NFT game. I was like, pretty pessimistic about it but i liked the idea um and I, I it exploded like around the time that you said that gary v boom and i'm sure quinny will remember it as well like the activity on the site in that couple of weeks um i sold a, the classic the jow felix i sold a jow felix that week for three and a half ethereum i think it was um and you know like some of the money getting thrown at anyone that was under 23 back then was insane they were just like gambling on someone being the next big kid. Um, yeah. I wish I'd sold a few more of my like players around that time, but um, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting angle to come in from. We we I think as the product has grown and matured, you do realise that most people are here for the football and the fantasy side and the fact that you can exactly. potentially earn from it. So it's good to know that, or good to hear from someone else who's like come into it from that crypto. In your opinion with that kind of crypto hat on obviously we're in the bear market it's not a particularly good time not just for crypto but for any stocks and investments in general it's very volatile out there and so rare has held its head above the water pretty nicely like yeah. more than more than pretty nicely to be honest with you if you look at it um how do you think so rare will perform in a bull market do you think it goes explodes with it or do you expect it to kind of level out and people try and get their money out of SoRare and back into E4? What do you think the situation might be for that? Yeah, I, I don't think it's, in a strange way, it's not correlated to the crypto market. Hmm. It just isn't. And as much as we would 
want it to be, it, it probably isn't. And I, I was getting more of a flavor for that when everything was exploding in crypto, but so it was quite even. Like there wasn't yeah. this massive explosion that wasn't related to what was happening on, on the football field. Um, so in, in many ways, I think that when the next bull market comes, I don't think it's going to necessarily explode. It might explode initially, but I don't think it's going to explode or, or, or multiply as much as other NFTs. But at the same time, I think it's going to be more of a steady growth. Um, that, that's just my, my feel for it. But again, I think there's still a lot of work to do to on, onboard people because it is, for me, it's, it's a very niche um, activity. Like yeah. it's something that you either, you're either bitten by the bug or you're not bitten by the bug. And once you're bitten by the bug, you're really going to be in. And if you're not bitten by the bug or you think that you might want to flirt with it, you'll get in and you realize, oh, this is not really my bag. And then you probably try and pull it out. Um, so I think that, you know, it, it will eventually find its tribe of people that love to play this. And I think it will also find a tribe of people that love to watch people play this, even if they don't play it themselves, you know. That's or play it. So that's, that's the way I think it, it will probably grow as a, as a platform. Um, but I don't think this kind of notion that every man and his dog is going to be spending copious amounts of money on football cards is a realistic one. But no. the people that do spend money will really want to spend money. We really want to win. We really want to do well. And then you're going to have people that are going to be like, yeah, I want to be that guy or I want to be that guy or I, I know more about football than this guy. And if I had these cards and if I did this, I would do this. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it, I think kind of kind of capitalizing on that part of it, because I feel like it's more like a scouting game, like a football mm. scouting game than, a, uh, than, than anything else. And if you're really into scouting football, world football, different players, Who's who's hot? Who's not? Who's going to be new? And getting in and out of those players at the right time, then this is your game. Um, if you just want to try and make money, then this is this isn't your game. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't your game because if you're not passionate about it, you're not going to do well in it. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Agreed completely. And like listening to you talk there, Nanzo just puts a huge smile on my face because like that's very similar to my kind of first kind of thoughts about it. But I really kind of. Got into the bonnet was so rare, and uh, kind of when I first kind of understood what it was, what it was trying to do, and what it was kind of um, became, and also kind of tying back into what Stish says, <clears throat> I know from when I first joined the platform, and just like yourself, you know, all the things that all those little hotspots that so rare really gives. Um, that I've been saying this a lot in beginner content, so sorry, but it's uh, <laughs> it's just almost a wee bit robotic at this stage. But like Football Manager, FIFA, you know, even like I've. I've did all this stuff. I'm 34 now. I've did all that stuff all my life, and they've all been fun and good, and I've enjoyed bits and pieces about them. But like every time I played Football Manager and went into like 20 seasons in the future or whatever, I always thought, "Wow, imagine this could pay off somehow for me spending yeah. this time and money." Or with FIFA, if you get pure in-game rich in it, you know, like, "Wow, imagine I could actually imagine this meant something in real life," you know, or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, but I know that inside Sorare, like that's the kind of real. That's the thing that they're really trying to capture is that whole fat, that last piece of the puzzle with the NFT technology where you can like own the card. And it's like, like Nanzo said, if you scout the guy and you find him and he's at Racing Club and then he moves to somebody, mm. then, you know, there's rewards for that. And, you know, in many different kind of guises and phrases. So when we hear Dan on a so rare spaces say, I have never been this excited before. And, you know, that's that's the tea he drinks as well. You know, yeah. then it's. You know, my cheeks just went all fuzzy, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> what you were saying earlier, Stish, about that Gary V boom and the prices. Like, I bought cards which I knew were at inflated prices because I knew that this was my game. Yeah. And I, knew I had to get in on the game. So I was like, DMs with Power Trader, and he was yeah. rinsing me for E for random cards. But I yeah. said, you know what? I know, I, I think I even said to him once, I know I'm overpaying for this, but I know I'm overpaying because. I need these cars ASAP so I can get the momentum going. Yeah. For what I want to do. And um because like you know, if you've been in crypto for a while, you know when something's in a bit of a bubble. And oh, yeah. you're buying in a bubble when you're buying in a in a downturn. And I think the good thing about now is that it is a downturn in terms of prices and whatnot. So if you've got faith in the platform, you think it's gonna do great things, and you know, these are the times where you kind of need to kind of grab your nuts and say, Yep. I'm going to go for it now because, you know, I have faith in my ability, you know, I, I can make the most out of this. And this is when most people don't. It's when most people don't kind of... True. Not There's less to- of a, like, buzz about it when no one, when everyone ain't talking about how much money they're making on it, right? And it's yeah. like, I think the thing with, like, we're looking at this as, like, a potential downturn now, it's not just maybe a crypto downturn that's causing this, but if you look at the sort of the pattern of, like, the market activity on the football a market on so rare whether it's a bull market or not this time of the year is always a bit of a downturn because people are getting rid of their asia and america cards maybe moving into europe the european cards are maybe a little bit too expensive so they sit on the sidelines and market activity just drops a little bit like as like yeah. in a, as a trend it drops a bit and i think if you zoom out as a user who's been on the platform for what two and a bit years now or whatever I, it doesn't worry me that the that card prices are dropping now because I expected that anyway. It does it does this all the time, and the, all these Asia and America cards that are dropped dr- drastically in value now, come like January, February, March, they'll be pretty much back where they were at the peak of their season last season, while the hype builds for the people getting their teams ready and stuff like that. But obviously, we've got a little bit more of a supply there now. There's options to move in and out of limiteds and potentially more free-to-play options as well that might kind of pique other users' interest. So I'm not too concerned about the downturn in price and maybe market activity because it's it's been this way at this time of year historically. Um, 100%. And I think, obviously, the World Cup and it's essentially international break, it compounds it because people are very kind of short-term in terms of, oh, well, what did that player do last week for his club? I need to get that player. And that kind of very much dictates the the prices of in the short term of, of a lot of things and also the enthusiasm that people have about trying to get you know a stack for a certain team that's really yeah. going to go at a particular time so yeah i think it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of months and if so i do have plans how those gel with the natural kind of uptick in people getting back into it yeah definitely and i think uh, another uh, thing sorry go uh, on I was, gonna, I was gonna say uh, i think it's very interesting like across all of that like it's a really great example of all the kind of like the time sensitivity that goes into the market. Like Nan's was saying, sometimes you know you're overpaying with something, but you're paying, you're paying for like express delivery. You know, you're like, I just need it now. I'm not waiting next month. I'm not waiting next week. And equally, when your guy's not playing next week, people want a discount for having to wait, you know? <laughs> yeah. So time is such a huge like pendulum involved in that. You know, your off season and all that kind of stuff comes into it as well, of course. But it's very immediate term you know what's on the, the calendar is this guy going to play in the next four days well yeah. i'm not paid full price for them then you know <laughs> or you know i think it's overplayed as well like for in this period like we mentioned earlier about 
certain game weeks might only have four or five fixtures. If you bought a card three weeks ago, who knowing that in four weeks he's going to be one of only five teams playing that week or something like that in that region, or and you know that if you pick that card up now, yeah, you are going to pay a bit of a premium for it. But if you think or if you're certain or as close to certain as you can be that if those five players all start, you're in the cards and you should be in the top three, you might podium and you're going to get back a bit of Ethereum and a card that will probably be worth more than what you paid for it now, then you don't mind paying a little bit extra for it. But then that's definitely something that that, that comes into play quite a lot. And I think just to touch on another point you made there, you do see a lot of noise sometimes when people coming in new, especially during a World Cup, saying it's too expensive to play. As someone who like does the scouting and has played the game and understands the value of like finding them really cheap players that are going to play and get you the points you need in the game. I don't think it is expensive to get into the game at all now, but it is expensive if you want to come in and buy Liao, uh, you know, Cancelo, Diaz, uh, Haaland, Messi, and put those in your team. Yeah, it is expensive, but you can yield the same amount of points that those players would in any game week with players from the MLS, from Asia, from, you know, Div 2. So I think that's maybe where people are missing the point until they start playing the game, because I think that... I think that's natural when you first come in. It's like, oh, I can't afford it. But yeah, once you realise how the game works, it's actually yeah. really affordable. And I think there's, there's there's lots of different dynamics to kind of the ecosystem as well. There's the SO5 game, which I think a lot of people, including myself at times, get really bogged down in. But then there's also kind of like the collectability and building a gallery mm. that's a reflection of what you're about, you know. And um, part of me, a big part of me is, you know, I want a gallery that is really kind of a mint gallery. <laughs> you know, I want a really good mint gallery with all the mint cards, all the cards that people want. I just want that gallery. I want that gallery. I want those cards and I want to have them for a long time. And, you know, I think eventually there will be, if this is a successful platform, there will be a market for collectible cards. And I think it'll be different to what people expect. Like in the traditional card space, people think that, you know, if you've got a card that's mint, that's never been touched, that's the value. I think it's going to be the case. If you've got a card that you have trained, that you have won stuff with, that you can see what you've won with, um, that you're like a boss player and you, and you have kind of cleaned up with this card, that will give that card value once more people are playing the game. True. You know, I bought this card back in, in 2020 or whenever, and he's been minting it since for the last 10 years and this card's gone on to be whatever. Yeah. That's to me, is a more valuable card than a card that's just been sitting there in someone's wallet collecting dust because it's a different ecosystem. I never um, thought about that. That's a really good point. I've never, ever thought about it like that, but that's so true. If you become a nerd of like the game of So Rare and there's like the grail card that's won more than any other card on the game and then maybe that player's about to retire, it's like you can buy the card off of the one manager that's used that for 10 years and it's won everything. It's almost like a player then, isn't it? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> crazy i'd never thought about that but that's a really valid point you know to me it's a hypothesis right it, it might be true but i think that's just as likely as a card that's never been touched being seen as valuable mm. uh, but it'd be interesting to see how that plays out over the next kind of decade or so you know definitely and especially when these cards do retire and they lose their utility yeah what kind of value they hold after they've been retired even if there is zero utility for them. Cause you know, we've seen that with like the manager cards, um, which, you know, I don't, 
I think someone brought it up in the Twitter spaces, asked if there's going to be any utility for coaches. And they said, it's not something that we're looking at at the moment. And I think that they're probably, it's probably one of the things that they minted them as collectibles. And I mean, can either of you see a use case for coach cards that wouldn't like massively like hurt people who haven't got coach cards in there? It would kind of need to be its own division, I think, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yes, yeah, that's like a side game. The things yeah. you've got the manager to boost on. So, like, if you've got Zidane and Real Madrid win, you get three points, but if Real Madrid draw, you get a point. Or so I don't mm. know how they would work it, but, you know, it would have to be a separate, I think it would have to be a separate division. You couldn't uh, implement. And I think they've done really well. And, like, you know, I, I think you kind of brought this up earlier, so I don't know if we really got to it, but, like, in terms of other game modes and stuff like that, that they're, they've probably got in the works on top of this capped mode or whatever. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about, like, domestic divisions or whatever as well. They've definitely got some they've definitely got a lot of great um like beta data or whatever you would call it you know from all the tests and all the different things that they've been doing with the global cup and from before that so i think um like coaches like quite easily probably should be just probably its own separate competition maybe maybe even as part of like i don't know whenever they did venture into a living aside whenever that happens if it happened ever you know um because then it's proper like Ultimate team ish, isn't it? So an ultimate team, you get a wee mm. coach card that sticks along the team that adds in a bit of chemistry or gives you some added points or whatever. I don't know. So, yeah. But I was thinking as well on retired cards when you guys were talking there, like they could do maybe just like see random people that retire that are not legends or whatever. They could maybe turn them into some sort of like free to play legends mode, but it's the same sort of principle and it's just commons that are in it. Yeah. Yeah. Something, you know. So then, like, if you were just starting out, you could buy some retired Vissel Kobe players and play Vissel Kobe legend in common or whatever i don't know just yeah. something that popped it's, in my head it's definitely an idea yeah. something else that i was thinking as well actually what do you two think about the possibility that one of these game modes is so8 so11 are we at the plate are we at that point now where there's enough managers that could definitely i feel like there's enough managers now out there that could put an so8 or an so7 something like that together do you think do you think now is the time that they might introduce something like that it's a difficult one. I, I think once you move into SO8s and SO11s, I think you need to consider having some sort of substitution or having some sort of rolling lock whereby you can switch players in and switch players out. Because with five players, you know, and part of you know, part of the thing that I was doing this morning for a long period of time was trying to avoid DMPs. And I'm sure we've all been in the position yeah. where we try to look for news and avoid DMPs. <laughs> trying to avoid DMPs for five players is bad enough, but trying to do that for eight or 11 players, you're almost certain to have some DMPs. And then it becomes who has the least DMPs wins. And so I think you're going to need to think about a way to make it more um, flexible for somebody to put out a team and for every player to actually score a point. Um, so I, I just think it's, I think it's, it's interesting. And I think it's something that they will have to experiment with eventually. But I think how you do it, I think just straight treating it the same way they treat SO5, I think would probably be a bit of a mistake. I don't know, that'll just be my initial view. Because like a lot of my work right now around SO5 is avoiding DMPs, right? A lot yeah. of it is what's the news the day before or, or, the, or the morning of to work out, you know, who's going to be playing, who's going to be dropped, who's injured, as much as anything else. Um, and that gets infinitely harder the more the more players you have in the, squ in the team. I definitely feel that. I felt like I got to a point where I had too many players to keep on top of and then you just find you're just submitting teams that are just dying on their feet because you've missed something blatantly obvious across three squads somehow or whatever. Um, 
But I think like if they were going to expand, I think limited is probably the easiest way to go with that because limited is where there is a huge, like that was one thing I found with my limited through the year. I thought specialist and underdog were great additions because you get anyone that plays limited, you will amass cards. You know, there's no two ways about it. And all you want to do with them is play them. You know, and like yeah, you can pick your your best team, your second best team. But if you've got like eight training teams. You always look at them and go, man, I wish I could at least get one more team out, you yeah. know. Um, and limited, that's probably the easiest place to do it. Do you want to guess how many training teams I've got? Oh, I'm sure oh. it's way more than eight, of course. But I'm just thinking about the, the nobody. But I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna guess, right? I reckon you've got about 110. Uh, uh, I'm going to guess 400. Oh, yeah. In between, hold on, let me check. No way. Two, I haven't two, had a look at how many cards you've got, to be honest. 268 uh, training teams. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is insanity. And I, um, I, I do set them. Did they, 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 they reset them themselves recently, didn't they? They wiped them all out, I think. Yeah, I had that. I didn't. I, luckily, I, didn't I didn't have them wipe mine. I oh, wouldn't have had not. that. I would have uh, literally uh, kicked off a faucet if I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how it works, but you never kind of they always end up where a certain amount of them are broken up when you are when your teams go. I don't do anything sophisticated, I literally just throw stuff together. But yeah, 268 training teams. Incredible. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of excess. A lot of trains in it, Nanzo Scoop. <laughs> I've, got, I've got your uh, I've got your gallery up now just to have a look at the sort of statistics. And I think you've got the highest reward winning lineups percentage I've ever seen. Okay. Um, definitely for any of our guests, twenty-seven point five four percent winning lineups. That's interesting because I don't. I actually put out teams which are not going to win, or yeah, quite training teams sometimes. I'm not really good, but yeah, it's interesting that it's quite it's that high. That's really high. Yeah, I feel that that's really high. And you've won one thousand one hundred and fifty-one uh, winning lineups. So you've won. It says you've won a, a total of one thousand one hundred and seventy-eight rewards. And you've 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 won. You've got eighty five SO five victories, which is pretty impressive. Mm. Pretty impressive. What was of all your rewards you've won? What was the one that you were most excited about when it when you opened it and found found what you'd won? This is gonna sound odd, but I don't get excited about the rewards <laughs> as much as I get excited about the victories and the yeah. manner of victories. Like, as, as weird as that sound, I get more excited about the victories and manner of victories. Once the reward's gone, like you're, you've moved on because you've set your training team for the next game week and you're thinking about the game week after that. So right, it's almost yeah. like your rules come and it's like, okay, well, what cards have I got? Um, I think the most I got excited about was probably probably when I won the Vinicius Junior Rare, simply because I hadn't won a good rare card in a long time. And yeah, I was thinking I did a stream as well. And it, it just like hype because I thought, oh, it's going to be another dud or whatever. It's like, ah, oh, this is genius. And it's like, yeah. So that that was Listen. like one where I can remember it. But I remember more things like when um, I think it was Bayer Leverkusen were playing and I was um, in the running to win champion unique. And um, is it Demer Bayer? Dem Dem yeah. Bayer? Yeah, Karen Demer Bayer. He was in my midfield. And he was just having an average game. And it was like the last two minutes of the game. He had the ball on the left wing and he swung it across. And uh, I can't remember who headed it in, but someone headed that in. And that took me from like third to first. And, oh, I was I and I think at the time, 
my kids were watching something and they were being naughty. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put on the football because I can watch the football. So I only happened to catch that game because my kids were being naughty. And I watched the game and that ball swung in in like the 90th minute. And it was wow. headed in and that won me the, won me the Champions uh, D1, Champions Europe D1. Oh, I love that. that moment was just like, I don't care what reward I, I win. Just winning that competition just on that play was just uh, was a sweet moment. It was really yeah. sweet. That sounds fun for sure, man. Yeah, definitely. I had not quite as exciting, but to get myself into the rewards uh, last night, uh, I had one of my players uh, hit hit an assist in the 95th minute, which put me in the cards. And that was, I looked at it there because So Rare Data's app was sort of playing up for a bit. And it was like a lot of the scores were stuck at like the 70th minute. And I'm looking at like FOTMOB and I'm like, the games are finished. Like I'm trying to refresh, it's not working. And then eventually they refreshed and, uh, I see that my player was uh, was granted a an assist. I was like, amazing! That puts me in the cards. But it also another annoyance was Vandervoort was sat on like ninety three points, I think, and he conceded in the six minutes from the end. Okay. If he had kept a clean sheet, I'd have won a tier zero. So difficult, difficult one that. You but, always get that every week. Yeah, and that's, and that's the beauty of the game. We like you need a certain temperament because you always yes. get. If you've got enough teams, you're always going to get disappointed for like 50% of them. And it's always like the near misses or yeah. oh, that player had played and I didn't see it or if I'd put that player in here. And just being able to manage your temperament is one of the keys to kind of do well in, in SO5 just generally. 100%. And just in life in general as well. <laughs> you find yourself on Twitter like at so rare for about five hours just like... I can't believe this. Why has my defender been on the pitch for 63 minutes and not got a clean sheet? Like, there's been 12 minutes of injury time, like all that kind of. I've been there in my head. Luckily, I've not gone on the buttons too much, but definitely seen a lot of users up in the comments on Discord and that. Yeah, lose and this yeah, shit. It, it can be very frustrating, but you know, you live to fight another day with so rare that you don't, maybe if you lose an, an accumulator in the last minute and on a bet very different yeah. to knowing in a week's time you can enter another team and hopefully you know you'll get them next time and yeah we've all had we've yeah. all been there i'm sure and that's the thing before the before the game week is finished you're already thinking about the next game week yeah. and you're playing and how that's going to work out so so yeah you could it's easy to move on thankfully definitely i think like this christmas period as well i keep forgetting what day of the week it is and when teams are yeah. supposed to be in and all that I realised I completely missed entering my basketball teams the other day. Didn't even realise. Oh, so I just caught mine yesterday by like five hours. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Like, I went in, I was like, what's going on this game week? And it's like, you have nothing going on. And I'm like, what? What have I missed? Like, I think it must have been like Christmas Day or Boxing Day. Yeah. On. <laughs> I completely missed it. Yeah. But it's all right. You know, it's the game weeks are like three days. So I missed, yeah. I might yeah. miss out on a reward potential, but it's all right. It's all right. Have you been getting involved in the basketball or the baseball at all, Nanzo? I have. And I think my initial approach to it was like, if you've got like a hundred ETHs worth of football cards, it makes sense to have like one to two percent worth of basketball cards and um, MLB cards, even just as a hedge, because you don't really know which one's going to blow up, blow up. Mm. And for if, you know, if, if N NBA blows up and you had a chance to buy a few early, and you didn't, you'd be kicking yourself forever. Oh, yeah. That's you, you're there and you're watching the launch. Like, you have to get involved. So, yeah, I bought a few. I bought enough to play up to the Super Air division. 
I can't remember his exact words, but the, the the image it put in my mind is, you know, there is other competitions that are going to be coming out alongside this that, like, yeah, going for 50 quid a VIF every week is, like, something most galleries are probably going to try and do with rare cards and with super rares and with uniques, everything else. But that's not what gets people buzzing to play this game. It's going to be something else, you know. There's going to be... Mm-hmm. That, that you know they're they're going pretty hard on the, the, the teasing front. So I think that the two forty cap is like in terms of the market, like we've seen in basketball, you will get those L fifteen um you know cheat codes on on any given game week. In football, I don't think it's going to be quite as prevalent because like DNPs actually don't really count in in that terrible way for it, you know, um and whatever. But like Nanzo was saying earlier, like for basketball and for football, I'm very much on the same page. Is like I would rather just have my stable of guys. And then figure out, right, well, I know this guy is going to fit. And he's actually, it's actually a good week for him because his L10 or his L15 is down to 38 because he can't get off the bench. But in the cup and the, during the week he scored, and I know he's going to be back in the team this week and just moving your own pieces around to fit it. I think that's where the fun of the capped mode will be more than running into the market and grabbing a guy for a fiver that's going to come off the bench at some point and score 25 points and his mm. L15 is two or something, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. I always look at those as like a bonus, and even like the specialist and underdog, I look at them as a bonus. Because when I approach this, when I approach anything, I'm like, if I can't be the best and I can't win, I don't want to play. Like, I want to be the best. I want to win. Like, I don't want to like, you know, just come along for the ride and scrape this and scrape that. I'd rather do something else with my time. If I'm going to play this, I'm going to win. But I think the great thing about this is because like one of the reasons why I have such a big gallery is because you can't really shift cards. A lot of times, um, like it's hard to shift cards unless there's a reason why people want them. Um, but you know, the, the cap and specialists they give me an opportunity to throw in a team, like you say, with the odds and ends that I have. And I think the thing I like about the cap is that it's more flexible than specialist. The thing I hated about specialist was like you had to have two t- two players that were forty. Yeah, like, one you can see like there's a reason legitimately why they're forty, yeah. but two they're probably shit. And they're probably yeah. going to score. So I'm not going to put one of my best players in with a complete dud that's likely to kind of... And it's a bit more of a lottery in that sense. Mm. Whereas I think with this kind of cap of 240, you can see where you can do a lot of massaging and potentially get a decent team out to actually, again, to win the actual division. Not to scrape the threshold. I'm not interested yeah. in this. To actually win the division. Hopefully they've got some good prizes and that's they've got it. some good if at the top end. Um, but yeah... Again, it's different horses for different courses. I can see some people that would really enjoy just that element of, well, I picked up this guy this week, he smashed it, and he got me that threshold, and I doubled my money or whatever. And 100% more power to you. It's not what I go for. But again, it's whatever appeals. And I can see that those elements will appeal to a certain type of person that would like to get into the detail of picking certain people for for a given game week. But that, that isn't me. We've got a, a comment actually in the chat from user Rascal Misaki who says, hey. I think we'll see an absolute ton of activity at limited level because of the new cap mode. Cards are so cheap that you can move in and out of them easily. And I think that that's very true for basketball, especially yeah. in limited. Um, yeah. And I think uh, that's a, a very, very clear and apparent point they make. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised about that at all because I think a lot of my friends who play limited buy and sell and don't care if they're buying at a loss or selling at a loss or it's just like oh this player's injured i'm gonna go to pavel and buy someone it's just like yeah "Yeah, but he's only out for like a month like just hold on to it you know you're gonna you're gonna sell it at a loss plus take a 10 20 percent hit from pavel 
just to buy a card that might be more useful to you for like two weeks and but that is the way yeah i think that's the that's the dfs mindset isn't it the the people who play come into it from dfs that need to try and win every week rather than look at the long picture of holding on to a card maybe instead of selling it maybe reinvest the funds to just buy a card and sit on that one for a bit and you know over time you'll be better off for it but i guess it depends again on what your what your kind of like expose your risk exposure and how comfortable you are with putting a bit more money into a platform that you might have already put a little bit more than you'd have expected to i mean my gallery now when i came involved in this platform i i never thought i'd put the money i did put into it in but also I, my gallery is worth a lot more than i put in and i would never I couldn't imagine holding an asset that's worth what this is worth. And it's like, again, it's like, but we are here now. And then it boils down to how, how kind of like risk averse you are, but also how much do you believe in the platform? And for me, it's like, this still feels really early to me. I don't know about you two, but it still feels super early for me. And I feel that's where I get, the only problem, the only worries I have about maybe the platform, and if for a long time it was the e-thresholds, I was like, if they take the e-thresholds away, that is going to be disastrous. Mm-hmm. But now we are where we are, and we've seen what happens in basketball without an e-threshold. I think it's, I'm, my mind is all over the place now. Of like, what could, what could be disastrous for the platform in either of you? What are your two opinions on what could be the, what, what could be a really detrimental for the platform? What's the one? What are the things that you worry about in terms of your investment in this platform? I think the the e threshold was a quiet worry for everyone because it is a you know it has become a fundamental part of the game, and that's kind of one of the things I found most reassuring about like all the communications around it is they're saying like this is the new cap mode, and we see this being like a, you know I'm paraphrasing, but the sentiment I got from it was that they see that that beat the game element, that you know continuous kind of small kind of reward element is being like a fundamental part of the game that they're, you know, we're embracing it, we're leaning into it and we're going to appropriate it so that it will be effective for us as a business. You know, you win, we win in some manner, you know. So um, I think that was probably, in terms of like, if you're thinking about card values going up and down and all that kind of stuff, I think the if payouts in any guise is going to be um, a huge factor to that. So with the cap mode coming out, I also do, uh, I wouldn't rule out, the possibility that we see if payouts extended beyond podiums in some divisions, you know, I don't think that's something to necessarily been ruled out. Maybe if it's like um, some sort of specialist like endeavor they're doing, maybe, I don't know, like it's the Derby weekend and it's like the Milan Derby, the Madrid Derby, this Derby, that Derby, play any cards you want. Top 10 people get VIP tickets around Europe to these stadiums and mm. top 10 get split a pot of X amount or whatever. Wouldn't rule out that kind of thing happening, but I think that's the, because so much of the game, like we spoke about already with time and a few other elements, is like a lot of the valuation is around utility, you know. And the more utility is worth, then the more cards are worth, you know, kind of thing. So I think that uh, that kind of quiet caution we all had around these thresholds, what was going to happen with them, that's kind of dissipated widely, you know. And I think in terms of any, I don't really have any worry at this point. I'm like, Nanzo had probably, we're finished off in 2022 with a quote of the year. 
is uh, if you believe in the platform, then grab your nuts and go for it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas as well. There's a lot of nut grabbing going on. I think one thing that kind of on a cautious note that is they need to be very mindful to balance the incentives because they're very focused on incentivizing for the masses. So how can we get on board the masses and how can we get the masses on board? But I think a big part of this ecosystem are the whales and our people that are, are buying the high end stuff. And a lot of that filters down. And I think kind of being able to attract people at the top end as well as at the bottom end is very important. And I, and I think they haven't, they're for a long time, I think they've taken for granted the people at the top end. And I think they just need to kind of readdress that a little bit and make sure that the people at the top end are being attracted and you're attracting people that are buying your uniques, your super rares, your whatnot at the prices that they potentially want to sell for. And so how they get the incentives to get people to buy those and find those collectible or whatever the motivations are that they feel people have behind buying those, I think they need to, to focus on that just as much as they focus on the masses. Because obviously the masses are more people. Yeah. But um, sometimes there's the, the, the benefits of having those because ultimately everybody will strive to be that guy, <laughs> you know. And if that guy isn't happy, then it's like, uh, why would I want to yeah. be that guy? Do you know what I mean? Whereas I think right now the sweet spot is like, I want to be that person that wins All Star Pro. And that seems yeah. kind of a little bit weird. <laughs> you know, you should be want to be that person that wins the unique division. And sure. so you're always striving to go up. And I think. One good move they made was, you know, making the super rares only super rares in the super rare division, yeah, um, and removing the removing the rares because, like, everybody could see the prices of the super rare goalkeepers was nerfed, and it was like that's there's something fundamentally wrong if your rarer goalkeepers are almost going for the same price as you know, the rares, yeah, the rares super rares are going for the same price as the rares, so. I think that's something they need to be mindful of is getting that balance right, whereby the higher divisions are attractive. So when people do step up to um, all-star, rare pro or whatever, they do want to automatically, I want to get into the super rare division yeah. because I'm incentivized to get, you know, there's good reasons to be there. It shouldn't be like capped out at that point. So I think that's something they need to be mindful of. <clears throat> good points. Definitely. Do you feel like the... I think there was a lot of noise from the community about the lack of progression, especially in the super rare divisions. And were you quite happy with the tweaks they made in the recent updates to, you know, like you just mentioned that like taking the rare goalkeeper, I think does fix the problem of the super rare goalkeeper prices being a bit nerfed. The fact they do still allow you to play a unique in there, I guess like invites. I think the problem I've had is well is that I've got, um, I'm I'm one of those people who would love. I like the idea of going into D1, but realistically, I can't compete. But I do. I would. I would like to compete better in Super A division. Therefore, I bought a unique to try and boost my chances in that division. And I've been quite um, happy with the tweaks they've made. But as you, someone who does compete in those D1s in those unique divisions. Do you feel that enough has been done to like sweeten things a little bit more in the super rare divisions? It's, it's difficult to say. Um, I just think it's one of those things whereby they've kind of gone along the lines of if it's not broke, don't fix it. 
you know, people seem to be buying these uniques and they're buying them for good prices. And I think it's easy to then take that for granted that that's always going to happen. Mm. And I think, you know, has enough been done? Yes, up until this point. But I think taking for granted that and not looking and saying, well, how many new people are actually coming on board and buying at that level? How many people that were at the lower levels are now saying, oh, I'm going to commit more money and buy at the higher levels? And I think that that's what they need to look at rather than, you know, it's the same guys and you're relying on the same guys to just be digging in their pockets to buy cards after cards after cards. And that's going to dry up at some point. And then you need to think about how do you attract new blood and, and incentivize that new blood to, to, to get involved. Um, I think they could do more. Um, but again, it's about balance. It's clear their priorities are to try and onboard the masses. Um, but I, I just think they also need to make sure they, they, they cater for the people at the top end as well. Definitely. As someone who plays in those unique divisions, how difficult is it um, to, to win in those unique, those uh, top tiers? Because obviously they've introduced a threshold there. Do you think that that threshold is going to be um, appealing to people who maybe haven't won a D1 yet? Because are there many managers that compete in it and maybe haven't won? Or, or, or do you see the same names in the sort of like top position or two when you're playing in it? Yeah, I think it's very much like... I've LT though. Pavel's going to be the king of the 240 cap mode, isn't he, in the unique division? You have to, you have, like, the 240 cap mode, I don't think anybody will be incentivized particularly by, you know. Um, if you play this game to a certain level of seriousness, like you want to win competitions, you're not necessarily incentivized by winning the 2-4 cap. It's a nice bonus and don't take it away. We want it there. Thank you very much. <laughs> but you've got a big gallery. <laughs> but it's not what incentivizes you to actually go and play, mm. you know. And I don't think you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm going to buy this unique for this much and this unique for this much and I'm going to win the caps because the actual cap doesn't actually work like that. You know, if your players are doing well, they're going to fall out of that cap and you're going to need to buy other players in order for you to fit that cap. Yeah. And, you know, that whole kind of threshold hunting, yeah, I think it's a lot harder now than it was before, um, obviously. And I think people will be surprised how hard it's going to be to get that threshold across all levels. Um, you're not going to be getting it week in, week out. It's kind of my my upshot on that. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I think people need to recognise that it, there are not that many people that compete in that division. So you might think, oh, I don't want to buy my free uniques because I can't compete. But you'd be surprised if you've got decent uniques and you're strategic and it happens to be your game week. You can get close to a podium. You know, you shouldn't just fear the Messi's and Bappes because not everybody has that perfect blend of yeah. top-end players. And those top-end players are not necessarily going to perform. It's come back to what I said at the beginning. Form's important. Fitness is important and fixtures is important. So if you've got the players that are on form for a given week, I've got players that do it for me, like Griezmann will do it for me occasionally, or Lin or um, Taram will do it for me. And they're not players that you would obviously think, oh, they're going to do it for you in Champions of America. Yeah. But, you know, they do. You know, there's, oh, was it Pereira for um, Udinese? He does it for me occasionally. So you've got these like little gems that will just do it for you. And then if you've got your super rares in there, you might have really good super rares. You can throw in a couple of really good super rares. You can throw in with a really good super rare goalkeeper. Mm. And you're, you're there and thereabouts. And that's what you need to do. And then 
you win a couple of those and you get another good super rare um, card that you can then throw in. So, you know, something that I would say, don't be discouraged by thinking that everybody out there has got all the best cards, so they're right. going to milk it because they're not all playing the same division. Mbappe might be in U23. Mbappe, you need by U23 or in Champions Europe, whereas you're playing in All-Star or vice versa. So you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be dissuaded by the competition up there because it isn't as hard as it might seem from the outset. That's an interesting point you make about, obviously, we can see the stats on like what players, what cards are used where. When you're playing in that unique division, you almost know exactly where a certain card is going to be played because the manager that holds that card probably uses it in the same division every week. Like someone, whoever's got the Haaland, I forget, the is it Roxy or someone like that? Let's say that that user has that Haaland. They probably use the Haaland in U23 every week. So as, if you're playing in that division, it's almost like playing real football, isn't it? It's like you know what players you're not going to come up against in certain leagues. Does that yeah. come into play quite a lot? Do you, do you find yourself tactically moving players into different divisions because of that? No, I just do my thing. You just I do, do my work. thing. I, well, I've got my gallery. I've got my players and I try and put them in the best place for that week for those players. And a lot of the challenges you have around who's going to likely play this week. You know, have I got three uniques that are going to play or five uniques that are going to play? Have I got mm -hmm. really too good? And then once you've got the players that you know they're going to play, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's enough for your players just to play. Yeah. But, and, and, the, and then you know they're in good form. And so, yeah, I'm not thinking about what other people are doing. I'm thinking about what I'm doing. Um, but I know that regardless of what they've got, they're not automatically going to win. You know, I've, I've, I've done well enough. You know, I think Champions Europe can be a bit, bit of an iffy one. You know, yeah. you're not necessarily going to win that. But you can still occasionally do well, get on podiums, and, and you win good cards. So I would say that, you know, if you feel like the only thing that is stopping you is your thinking that competition's out of your league, then I'll say don't be discouraged by that. I'm just having a little look at your selection of uniques on Sora data now, and uh, you've got... That's a some... very good taste. He likes right. his AC Milan. Right. Why the Kalulu is a big one as well, because right. that's like on, on brand, you know? Right, for example, <laughs> what do you think is the most I spent on a unique? Seven. I'm, I'm trying to have a look now, yeah, because I can see some of the prices, and actually some of them are surprisingly low. I'm surprised how cheap some of them have gone and yeah that i mean i haven't seen one yet that's like double figures yeah, but so the most i spent is like 11 eve what was that one unique. i think that might have been uh might have been teo hernandez or because right. they, they come as a bundle right so right. the most i spent in that kind of bundles like like 11 i don't really look to spend more than that i've, I've bidded for more than that on occasions got carried away <laughs> but, <laughs> but i think i knew i was i forget roxy and it was like damn it yeah <laughs> but yeah, yeah but it just so happens that, you know, so I don't think like, it's not like everybody who plays those divisions and competes in those divisions is spending, you know, 60, 70 ETH on Mbappes and this, that, and the third. Because um, I'm not sure you're necessarily going to get the return on your investment if you're looking at it from a competitive standpoint. Mm. And so for me, you're looking at those as collectibles and you're saying, well, how much faith do you have in the collectible side of it if you're paying those kind of values for those kind of cards? Um, that's just my own personal perspective. Uh, so yeah, I am very mindful of how much I pay for stuff. That's a big part of when I'm bidding, just like how much is, it, what do I consider value? And occasionally yeah. I, I do overpay and I'm, I'm happy to admit that, but, but most of the times I don't go, I don't go crazy. Yeah. You've got, they look reasonably sensible. I mean, like collectively it's a lot of money is obviously spent on them, but 
for someone who like has I've dipped my toes into that market and tried to pick up a few and like you've got a few like I I, I my my kind of rule is I'll only buy players that are at U23 um, and I try to get them as young as possible like you know 18 year olds might get a few year, years of U23 usage because that's where like the, the the better cards in my gallery compete but you know like you oh, you've picked up a Jack McGlynn uh, a youngster from the MLS 1.87 I think that's a really good price for a player who is what 18 years old now yeah you've got years on that um you know buchanan 2.4 who is looking a good player now put up some good good um performances at the world cup yeah i mean i that's the thing with the unique is like you said like once you bought it they probably are quite hard to shift i think i had a couple of offers on i've got obviously lee hanbom and levitt and i've had a couple of offers on both of those that were more than what i paid for them but i bought them because i wanted the utility for so long you know and and it was more like i bought them thinking how i'm going to use them more in u23 as the the one unique i can use or in maybe challenger or asia depending on yeah. fixtures etc but now i'm there and that's why i was really interested in getting your insight into it is like do i go for the four do i need to four and then potentially move that into div one because i do look occasionally to see like what kind of scores you need but something that i probably overlooked a bit was like the fixture overlap between a player like levitt and lee hanbom and now a yumu seko there's only a few weeks in the year where i'm even going to be able to get all three of those in one team it's that's what makes it tough and i think that's where you need that depth maybe to compete in those divisions like you said um, but obviously that depth isn't for everyone at that level in unique. Um, I don't mind putting a bit of money in to try and scrape those four or five cards together. But how often are, can I, am I going to be able to put those in a lineup? But I guess if you've got them all in different kind of divisions, you can use one in, um, you know, in America, one in Challenger, one in Asia. And that's kind of where I'm at now is that maybe I think like if I do get a fourth, it kind of, if it's, if I mean sensible, it needs to be an America forward or, or goalkeeper because that's the kind of gap that I, that is missing in my gallery at the moment in, in that kind of tier. I'll, I'll say like, let's have a strategy and go for value for money. Like I wouldn't even think about like, like, Oh, oh I'm going to go for the under 23s or whatever. Or like having them for five years. Because so some of my best cards, to be honest, is when I first joined the platform. And people like um, Nani. <laughs> yeah. Nani. And I think I had, what's his name? Chris Muller. Yeah. You know? And then um, Orlando just went on like four or five games where they were just crushing. Yeah. And they won me some great rewards. You know? And they, they, and they made their money back. So it's, sometimes you can just look at it and be like, and like a lot of what I've won is like things from like my Monero stack. You know, where I just like had those stacks and I had like three uniques and then I had a couple of, of the super rares and because they were only playing in certain weeks. And and so if you can be kind of strategic, I would not put like a limit to say, well, I only want kind of um, players under 30 or players under 23 because I want them for this amount of years. Mm. I think sometimes you can be very tactical and say, well, actually, I know that America season's happening. Mm. Oh, wow, he looks undervalued. He looks undervalued. I think there's, you know, Nashville are going to do really well. If I put those two together, that would be my defensive stack. Let me go and grab that. And I can play that. And, you know, you have enough flexibility where you can move them into D2 
or or whatever, if needs be, on a given game week. Um, but if you can say, well, if all these pieces are are available, I can have a really good shot at you know either America. And again, a lot of my tactics is what well, I should be telling you my tactics. Listen to me, <laughs> <laughs> waffling away, giving away all my my trade secrets. But again, everyone's got a different way of playing it because you guys often focus on on the all star divisions for the best rewards. I Whereas, also, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's uh, definitely Quinny, Yeah. I, I, I would very much focus on the regional for the best chance of winning, right? Because as long as I'm winning, I can eventually like parlay some of my 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 rewards into those all star divisions and then compete there, you know. Because I think I won an all star D two with all this rewards. Week. <laughs> 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 so this week, but also the week a week back, and it was only rewards that I actually happened to play that week. That's a dream. Um, so I think sometimes just kind of finding your niche where you're most likely to be competitive for whatever region is kind of, for me, sometimes the, the best way the best way to go. But yeah, I wouldn't be discouraged um, from doing it. And I would think for more in terms of value for money. If I can get like a, 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 a unique for half an ETH and I think it's a bargain, mm-hmm. I wouldn't care how old he is. I wouldn't care whatever. I'll say, well, for this six months, he's going to be really good for me. Go for it. Yeah, that's kind of the approach I'll take. I was talking to Tony in the week, wasn't we, Quinny? And I think I said to him, I think any any unique underneath that's got like a year or two's utility, if you can use it, is is a bargain. If they're playing every week, you know, an ETH for a unique that you can... If you've got a D2, you know, if you've got a super rare team, having a unique in that is actually massive. I've realised that. Yeah. Um, it made such a difference to my team having a unique and I, I'm fortunate that the unique that I bought does put up like 50 plus scores then that 50 plus turns into a 70 odd do you know what I mean even on an average yeah. game and that is massive in a D2 a 70 score yeah like this game we just gone like Nicholas Storm or his name is yeah. he has been awful for me the whole year he's been awful and I literally just threw him in there and I was like you've got to come good at some stage yeah but I put him in because he was unique and if he does come comes come good He's going to get me so many extra points, and you know, helps to put me over the, put me over the top. Mm. So yeah, having those kind of uniques. Um, again, if your mindset is I want to win, he yeah. might have just had another stinker like he's had for most of the year. But if he has a good one, then he could be the one that pushes me over the top, and he did. So you know, I think that's like I, yeah. I have a very, my mindset is very much win, win, win. So if you kind of got that win, 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 like your podium, you will get some cards for finishing. Eight for night for tenth or whatever, and that would just build your gallery. And obviously, you can sell them, but then you can keep them for another game week. So, so yeah, um, just giving my my two pence worth. I love it, and it, you know, like uh, all the way through the podcast, Andrew, you said that quite a few times. Like it's all about winning, it's all about going for it, and like you know, like I, I know you're kind of pooping me on the all star thing, but that's kind of the same sentiment that I kind of live on. Yeah. You know, is like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna win a division, then I want to win the division that pays out the biggest. You know, I'm kind of so we're kind of drinking again from the same tea, I think, you know, um, yeah. in that respect. But, um, and again, I've been, <clears throat> I'm, I'm definitely not, I won't go to that point of like absolutely optimizing, you know, to that sense where maybe there are some times where I probably would have, like, I, do you know what I was doing uh, a minute ago? Excuse me, I asked people to comment now, you know, and we'll, we'll pull the comments into the podcast as well. Um, but all the comments from last week were wildly just like great episodes and that kind of stuff. But one person commented on my thing saying, I scored, I forget what game week this was, but it must have been in the last week or two. They said, Quinny, under 23 rare, 
149 points, tier three rare reward. And then the next line, John Nellis, under 23 pro, 150 points, podium. <laughs> you know, yeah. so there's definitely like wee things like that that mm. I sometimes just don't even, I don't see the wood for the trees sometimes. Yeah. And maybe I do play a team in the wrong division, but it's uh, it's one of those ones. It's predicting the future, man. It's hard. <laughs> What you can do is make them try to make the best decision you can at the time, and then, uh, as long as you're making enough good decisions, um, they, they will then pay off. And that, that's the way I look at it. You know. It might look like I'm winning all these stuff, but I'm losing far more than I'm winning, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's the reality of the game, right? That's that. Now, it's just said that your win percentage is 25 percent, 27 percent, which is very impressive. But you know, the, the flip side to that is you're losing 73 percent eventually, you know, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I think we're all in that boat. Oh, on that note, I think I would take the seventy-three percent loss. I think, I think mine, <laughs> mine, my, I think my percent win percentage is about twelve percent, eleven percent. And I, I looked at that the other day and thought that's all right because I'm similarly to you. I think sometimes I'll just chuck a team in, like a training team, just on the off chance, you know, like oh, I have three players that are going to play on one of those really weird weeks where you might even podium with three players if they all hit a eighty plus or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of the a lot of my teams are like that. I think I'm pretty sure this week, like we mentioned right at the beginning, I only had a few cards playing. I was missing midfielders, so my options were very thin, um, and it meant that I think I've got five teams in, but I don't think any of them have like five starters in them. I think like they're pretty much glorified training teams, and I'll be just hoping that some freak scores come in and they manage to scrape me a reward of some sort. But I think like yeah, there's there's merit in doing that as well. Like you never know. Like there's definitely been random weeks where I've managed to get in the cards with three cards or something like that, three players playing. So um twenty five percent is pretty impressive and when you bear that in mind, really it's it's mental. Yeah. I think another advantage of throwing in effectively training teams into actual lineups is that it often helps you identify the gaps. Like if you if you find that, oh, I'm putting these two players in, it's always the same players that I'm putting in. And if mm -hmm. I just put like a couple of players from this team or this league, that's a full team, you know? Yeah. If you're just used to just not doing it, it's like you don't kind of see the obvious gaps sometimes. It's true. Mm. Absolutely. Very true. I think that's the benefit, I guess, of having those stacks as well is that if those they, if that team does play on one of those weeks where not a lot of fixtures are in, you know you've got a team because that team has a fixture. Yeah. I think that's the that was for me like pre season before like Div Two happened. That was my thinking behind all of the championship players. I'm like, that championship player's got the utility of a Champions League player, yeah. but but half the price. But they'll be competing in the same game weeks because the championship have so many fixtures. But obviously that got that got kiboshed, and now I've just got a great D2 stack. <laughs> yeah, I think kind of stacking can be underrated in the sense that, you know, a lot of my good wins have come from the fact that I've had a Benfica stack when Benfica are flying. Bang, you know, I can put that into like a, uh, like a D2 challenger and they will be competing there or thereabouts for a given period of time every week, you know, yeah. and similar with Zenit, like you've got a Zenit stack and it will be competing for a period of time for a given week. The trick is to know when shall I play it as a stack and when shall I split it up because certain players are not kind of, kind of performing to the level where I've got better players that I can swap in. So I think kind of having that flexibility of being able to put a stack because, you know, it sounds obvious, but teams play good <laughs> as a team yeah. you know, often. And, um, you know, if you can put that in when they're on fire, 
you're more than likely going to have a kind of winning formula there. So. I absolutely love that when you've got a couple of players who've maybe moved to teams that don't have cards. And it's like, I've got, a, I bought a couple of, well, pre-season, I bought quite a few sort of Chinese Super League players. I just had a look. There's not many players on the platform who play in the Chinese Super League. But I picked up a couple of Romulo and a, a Kim Min Woo. And then a bit further down the line, I realised how useful Romulo actually was going to be. And I picked up a Kim Min Woo super rare so that I could pair those as a midfield pairing. And Chengdu Rongcheng have been absolutely smashing it. Romulo's L15 is like 90-odd or something. It's yeah, absolutely insane. I mean, they had a game this morning, but because it was a double game week for them, he put up a 92 in the week and that was scored. And today he put up an 83. So it's like, he's not even going to see that on his on his L15. But that those those yeah. little wins for me are like... It should show his L15 still. Oh, will it? Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah it's not going to be scored this week, but, but it maybe will show up on his L15. But those two, for me, through the kind of the World Cup period and that have been super useful, just putting them together. I almost wish I had one as... I need. There's another couple of players in that team. There's like Win Bichler, who moved from Seongnam. And I feel like maybe I should pick that up and have a defensive card that I can throw in there because that team has performed so well. And that's like you said, that like having those little stacks, especially when they're really random players yeah. who maybe only have twenty cards on the platform. Yeah. You are probably the exactly. only person who can put those three in one team. And if they do hit, you're definitely going to be in amongst the cards. And I've realised that a bit more in this last year. I noticed it a lot in the the close of the European season. How much stronger I was than a lot of the people that I used to like hate seeing in those like putting me out of the cards every week. When the European season closed, I'm like, I had some good picks in U23 from Asia and America that other people didn't have. And yeah, I I tried to take that into the European season, but it is, I find it a lot more difficult when all the football's on. Um, I'm, I can't wait for Asia and America to start back up again. I feel like my win percentage will probably like double, but, but yeah. I'm just missing the 10 o'clock kickoffs as well on a nice Saturday. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. I, lo I love it. That That's one thing that like So Rare did bring to my life was enjoying a bit of Korean football on a weekend in the morning as I'm sat, like getting out of bed. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. But um, yeah. I think we've covered a lot. Uh, Quinny, is there anything else we need to touch on? I've, it's been an amazing, uh, amazing chat with you, Nanzo. It's been been great. I've enjoyed it. You know, just chatting the breeze. I don't know how it comes across to listeners, but I just enjoy chatting, chatting with you guys and just shooting the breeze. It's nice, nice, nice. Yeah, it's for been sure. brilliant. I've had a great time, and I think that you know that that's the one thing we always try, try and make the podcast about. Like, like I've seen to you before, Nanzo is like hopefully like you know picking each other's brains and that kind of stuff. Because at the moment, like we spoke about it, I think last week or whatever, but like. This is like one of the few times, probably one of the last times, where we're all going into something not knowing what the new meta is, what the new dynamic is, what the optimal play is. So, you know, and th th there will be like winners, like that's the best kind of thing to do. But there'll also be other ones where like, oh, well, if you did this, actually, you're now in a great position, etc. So I think this is a great time for, you know, for, for me and hopefully for, for everyone listening that... Sometimes you just need to take yourself out of your own situation and think about it in either a smaller scale or a bigger scale. And then sometimes you get new ideas and new like, oh, this could work for me or I could try that. So yeah. I've had a great time and I'm, I, I would like to hope as well everyone else has, has enjoyed you, Nanzo, because I've had a great time with you, buddy. That's been good. And like you say, it's often it's about, there's so many different ways to win at this game. Mm. And there's so many different 
ways that you can classify yourself as a win. Sometimes it's return on investment or whatever. And so, you know, that's the beauty. There is no right way. There's just ways that you can just learn from other people that they've done it this way. That might work for me. It might not. You yeah. listen to someone else next week and they'll have a different way of doing it. And that might be more down your alley. So, you know, I think the more, and that's one thing I always make sure I do. I always try and make sure I listen to podcasts. You know, I always try and make sure I've, I'm up, on, up to date with all the Patreons in terms of trying mm-hmm. to get some things. Um, because you can't have too much information when it comes to kind of making decisions about, you know, putting together a, a, a lineup for a given game week. So, so yeah, totally. it's really good. <laughs> I'd agree with that totally. Thanks for coming on, man. It's been a really good chat and I hope anyone listening uh, took something from it. Um, shout out everyone who's been on a Twitch. Um, so Rare Scout, Rascal Misaki, uh, Gaza2186. Uh, there was a bunch of others I'm trying to scroll up, but it's, uh, yeah, K Sarah Sarah. So, uh, yeah, if, if you're listening in the future via the podcasts somewhere, watching on YouTube, do give it a, a share. Uh, give us a comment on YouTube. Quinny likes to go through them. We'll try and pick out some more comments next week. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thanks so much, Nanzo, for joining us. As we said, it was brilliant chatting, chatting to you and picking your brain. I definitely feel like I've got some food for thought now. So I think I need to uh, get my scouting cap on. Yeah, don't, don't, don't take too much to heart. I don't want you <laughs> competing with me. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. One one week it's going to happen. I'm going to screenshot yeah. it and put it on my wall somewhere. So <laughs> like the many, one many have tried and many have failed. <laughs> Indeed we have. It's my aim for 2023, <laughs> mate. If I finish above you one week, it's going on the wall, mate. I tell you. <laughs> I, I look forward to it. I'll oh, come man. back on when you finish above, above me, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I'll be wearing my gold chains. No. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to everyone listening. Good luck. And uh, we'll be back again next week with another episode. Thanks very much, guys. Big up. Peace.